0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca podcast episode. And I'm here with a brand new guest. Unfortunately, we're not doing this in person, Sinead, but Sinead is here with me. Sinead Gooding, thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Boca podcast today.
1: Thank you so much, Nathan, for having me. I'm very excited and geeking out.
0: <laughs> well, I know. And I was getting excited even just in our conversation before I started recording um, with the, at the possibilities really of this conversation. And, and one of the things that kind of piqued my attention right away was you, you said that you are a people person, but you also consider yourself an introvert. And in our industry, we hear quite a bit from photographers who say that they are introverted and they seem to kind of let that affect their ability to engage with clients or potential clients. So I'm, I'm curious how you balance those two ideas, being a people person, but also being an introvert. What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, for me, it's about connecting with people and so since i'm more introverted i'm used to listening and so that's ah, my skill set okay. and so i like listening to what clients have to say to just what people have to say and then i like asking and following up about you know their life or whatever they're they're sharing at that moment and so that's how i'm a people person cuz i'm like genuinely interested in like the stories and the why's of mm. you know how we come to be who we are and you know all that that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm curious, and this is totally me projecting uh, onto this conversation here, but (laughs) one of the things that is as a, I I, I guess I used to have would or I would have called myself in the past an introvert um, just as a concept and kind of the behavioral patterns. And I very much like you, I'd like to ask questions and ideally deeper questions that could go beyond the surface and learn more about someone else on a deeper level. But what I also realized over time was That whether it was conscious or subconscious, by me focusing on asking somebody else questions, it it kind of took the spotlight away from me, and took the kind of the the need to perform or be an entertaining conversationalist or anything away from me, and and kind of put it on the other person. Have you found that yourself? And have you learned to to be a little bit more of an extroverted conversationalist in that sense?
1: Well, exactly. I mean that that was the trick. I mean that was like my secret sauce. It's just like okay. To not have the spotlight on me, let me pay attention to them more so. However, you know, as I've grown older in my years, (laughs) you know, you realize that, hey, this this does need to be a bit more balanced and it's okay for me to share. And so I think um, just time and feeling okay with being vulnerable of sharing pieces of myself, Mm. uh, whether they are pros, cons, struggles, triumphs, you know, whatever it may be of, you know, I have to also share too, because that can enrich, you know, not only the conversation, but potential, you know, developing relationships yes. and so forth. Yeah. So, so it is a given, uh, you have to give as well as be able to receive.
0: Yeah. I, and, and, to that point, it's interesting you say that because I, I was given feedback and, and when it I guess first started happening, I didn't really realize what was being said and learn from it at the time. But I think I was making some people feel a bit awkward. And that I was asking really good questions. Right. And they were just they were opening up in a way that they weren't used to opening up because they weren't used to being asked those kinds of questions. Right. But then they didn't really know how to respond in kind. So they felt super vulnerable because they just opened up all kinds of, you know, it got really, really deep. And yet, here I was not really saying anything because I didn't know how to ask questions in turn. So it is good to create that balance.
1: I, I I would do the same exact thing, Nathan. It's just like you know, you get deep in this conversation. Then at at a certain point, you can tell you know that that other person feels maybe a little bit awkward of just like, hey, we're getting a little deep here, and I'm revealing things. I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable. Yeah. Um, your turn <laughs> for you to share. <laughs> like, let's share this a little bit. Sure. And so I and I get that. I get that. And the point is not to make someone feel vulnerable and uncomfortable. Right. It's just really trying to get to know someone because you know by learning about other people and how they deal with things, I can also learn about myself.
0: Yes. You know, I um man, and I love this conversation already. And we're only five minutes in, four or five minutes in. <laughs> um, there's a so th- I have two tattoos. Um, one on my, the inside of my my right arm or wrist, and then another one on, on the left side as well. The one on the left side is is uh, two Japanese kanji characters that create the word uh, kakushin, which is belief in Japanese. And one of the things that I realized is that if we are able to go deep in conversation with somebody else and learn the belief system of that individual, and I'm not talking about religious beliefs, uh, belief system, necessarily, that could be part of it, certainly, but just the belief system, literally everything that we do on a day to day basis is driven by a belief um, right now i 'm actually standing at a standing desk, having this conversation with you, and I do so because I believe it it gives me this sense of of kind of a heightened energy versus sitting down and having the conversation i i 'm going to sit on the couch because I believe it holds me up, so we do very mundane things rooted in beliefs. We also do more significant things rooted in beliefs. But if we're willing to have those conversations and go a little bit deeper and understand the beliefs that drive that individual, we can get to know them on a very, very deep level. What do you think about that?
1: Oh, I I think that's fantastic because I do think energy is a real thing, you know, in terms of just, you know, you standing versus sitting. That I think that I mean that's really really true in terms of how energy transfers. Sure. Also the energy that you pick up from people. And I mean I know this may sound very hippyish and all that sort of thing, but you can sense and you can read and you can feel other people's energy towards you. Sure. And I think part of being an introvert and part of being a great listener is I'm I'm very good at assessing like uh this is not the day to maybe go into that type of conversation. Yeah, Let's yeah. give them a little space. Or saying like, all right, let's, like, let's do this. Or maybe I would feel more open to being vulnerable and suggest something. But, but that energy is a very, very real thing. And trying to create that positive energy, um, even as a business owner, I mean, that's, and that's also related to one's mindset. You know, you have to Uh, Keep positive things around you, Um, your mentality, you know, saying positive affirmations for yourself, you know, whether you're reading uh, books on business that will help motivate you. I mean, all of these things help get one geared up and, and continue to push forward.
0: It really, it really can make a big difference. Um, and we're going to actually, speaking of reading, we're going to talk about uh, maybe a favorite book that you have here in just a few minutes. We're also, you mentioned business. I mean, we are actually here, believe it or not, for those of you listening in, we're here to <laughs> talk about more than just psychology, um, although I could, I could do that for a very, very long time. I, I'm just so fascinated by it. But um, Sinead yeah. has, has been gracious enough to join us today to talk about what she has learned as she has started a business relatively recently. And and I was telling her before we got started recording that um, it, it's very relevant to even to me at this point, because I'm getting ready to relaunch my photography business for a number of different reasons. Um, but this is I'm kind of starting over. I'm hitting the reset button and and getting to to start a business with certainly different perspective than when I first started my photography business back in 2001 or 2002. So that's going to be super fun to have your perspective, Sinead, today and, and, and very recent perspective as well about what it means to start a brand and what all is involved in that process. And I'm excited to share that information with our listeners. So I appreciate you being here. Before we get there, though, um, there are a few questions that I normally ask our guests. And the first one is about brand position, the value proposition, or hopefully the unique value proposition that your business offers to your market. I wonder if you can kind of describe that in one sentence.
1: Sure. Uh, so my business is called Amivo, and it's a photography and video studio that specializes in family, beauty, and video portrait sessions. The goal is to help people tell the stories of their life by creating these photo and video portraits, just trying to let people be the hero of their own story.
0: Okay. And and you actually have a, a version of what you just said on the homepage of your website. So for everybody listening in, if you just go to Amiibo, dot ocom um, You can actually see that statement there. By the way, talk to me about the the name of the company. How did you come up with that?
1: Well, you know, I wanted something that was one word. I wanted it to be, well, memorable for me, yeah. but I also like the idea of an acronym, deeper meaning. So something that stands for something. And okay. so Amiibo is an acronym that stands for infinite memories in, infinite visuals out because it's, wow. um, yeah, it's, re- it's the memories, it's the visuals, it's all related. And so, you know, since I'm working in photo and video, you know, how those two intersect, but really, um, you know, kind of my, my niche here is really the storytelling. It's about the story behind the imagery and the video for me.
0: Well, and there are a couple of other things about this business name. First of all, I guess, similar to Google, for example, Amivo isn't a word that anybody knows or uses on a daily basis. So it's something right. unusual. It stands out um, and catches their attention, likely. It also happens to be super short, which is awesome for typing in a domain name. Um, so I bet you've, you were pretty excited about that as well. And, and likely you didn't have a whole lot of competition in people trying to buy that domain name.
1: Correct. Correct. And that was all part of the strategy, but that was all part of, I mean, look, I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of a nerd, you know? So like I was doing the research and in, in terms of what stood out to me, what I liked and what resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to try to recreate that for, uh, my own business.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, for everybody listening in, if you just go to um, you can see Sinead's site there. And then uh, it's the same thing on Instagram as well, Amivo on Instagram as well. But moving on to the next question, talk to me about customer experience. Uh, is, is cliche almost as this topic <laughs> may seem to, you know, photography business owners, especially those who have established businesses in our industry, I still think it's important to keep that concept of great customer experience front and center and I'm curious if there is a big idea thus far in your company that has driven a great customer experience.
1: Yeah, you can't underestimate the power of listening to your clients, you know, just that mm. simple. And that's, again, where the, uh, some of that introversion plays a great role, you know, so really listening to them and, and hearing um, what they want, where they're comfortable, where, they're may, where they may not be at ease, you know, so that's before the shoot during the shoot, even after the shoot, you know? And so that could be from, Hey, I'm having trouble downloading. This is really frustrating me mm. or, you know, on the shoot of just like, Hey, it's cold in here. Or it's just like, Oh, this is really exciting. Look at this space. Uh, I, I you know, I didn't know. I feel so special. Oh, I like this. I don't know, fan that you have blowing here, <laughs> you know, blowing my hair yeah. or before the shoot of saying like, Hey, you know, I haven't seen, you know, my grandmother and a few, uh, you know, months. And, you know, this is going to be our time to bond, you know, so hearing and it's just like, ah, let's make this really special for her and her grandmother, because this is more than just them taking portraits together. You know, it's about them connecting, reconnecting, and having a special time. And it's just centered around imagery.
0: What have you learned? I mean, has there been a particular conversation or two when listening to your clients, um, making that proactive effort? of just Listening, um, has there been an interesting, a particularly interesting conversation where you've learned something compelling that you then implemented in your business? Not just with that client, but maybe with your clients from that point on.
1: That's a great question. You know, I think maybe just some small details okay. about uh, their comfort level. Mm. That's that's a big deal for me because I want to make sure that everyone is comfortable. So I really. Try to get to know the, the family or that individual a little bit deeper, you know, so in terms of like, is there a favorite candy bar that you like? I mean, we'll, we could we could have that at the studio, or you <laughs> yeah. know, on set with us, or, sure. you know, is there a type of music that pumps you up? Like, what are the things that are going to make you feel relaxed and comfortable, so that we can get those shots that aren't so forced and posed, so um implementing that in terms of when I'm speaking to them, whether it's on the telephone or via email, of just just trying to find out those little details, and they make a difference.
0: they really do uh, speaking of details, though, I have to bring up one about you that um very much resonates with me. You happen to enjoy gummy bears. Talk about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a problem, Nathan. It's- <laughs> It's actually a problem. Do you know, my brother, uh, and my nephew were in town just two days ago. They brought me, I, it, it's almost like a gallon Haribo bag of gummy bears. No way. This is January 8th. I wanted to try to start a cleanse and all this sort of things, yeah. but I have th- these gummy bears and you know, what am I supposed to do? I can't ignore the gummy bears. Yeah. Yeah. We can't do that. We don't waste. <laughs> so, uh, I It started in college because there was a corner store. Uh, I went to school in New York at NYU. And so on the corner, uh, there's this store and they had these delicious gummy bears. Now, in high school and middle school, I wasn't into gummy bears. So I don't know. What happened, but since that moment on, I have just been into gummy bears. Yes. I can tell you the difference between the CVS brand gummy bears versus the Haribo gummy bears versus the etc. 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 So it's a problem. Um <laughs> but I do enjoy it. And I actually, you know, I gift that to my clients.
0: <laughs> that, now see, that's smart. And and I was gonna actually mention, we at, at Photographers Edit, my editing company, um, for the longest time we were because we didn't have the internet that we do now back when we started in 2008 things just looked different and and actually for some time after that so we would actually ship images on hard drives back and forth
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and then as a way to of course get our clients images and then be able to process them um when we'd ship a hard drive back we'd put a, a small bag of jelly bellies in in that box with the hard drive. <laughs> jelly bellies happens to be my favorite kind of chewy fruit candy. Yeah. And and it was fun to just to have that little added personal touch and it was it was also really cool to hear from clients how much they enjoyed that. And like you'd have people bring up the fact that there wasn't a pack of gummy or jelly beans in in the box when you <laughs> sent it back this time, you know, because they were so used to it. But it's fun to do little things like that.
1: Exactly.
0: Uh, that's really, really great. Okay. So, uh, well, again, I could also spend a lot of time talking about sweet things because I also enjoy them. Uh, I have to mention, this is, you mentioned also enjoying homemade baked goods. And, and for anybody listening, if you uh. actually go to the About page on Amiibo, you'll see some of these details I'm talking about. But my daughter made uh, magic cookies. Just the other day, there were seven-layer cookies. This is kind of my favorite. Um, wow. And they're a layered cookie that that my mom used to make uh, for me growing up. So there's nostalgia there as well. But I got COVID a few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. And unfortunately, it took away most of my – actually, all of my taste for for a little while there. And so she made these cookies and they were, I could tell, you know, you could taste, you could sense the texture Mm. um, and the heat from them when they came out of the oven, but I didn't get any of the flavor. It was so frustrating.
1: That's (laughs) cruel. That was almost like a cruel punishment. (laughs) Right?
0: I know. It's kind of crazy. So I'm hoping that I get all of that that taste back, or at least most of it back in the near future. And then I may uh, beg her a little bit to make another batch for me. But yeah, I'm glad
1: you're on the road to recovery because you got to taste the, the baked goods, the magical cookies.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It, it really is kind of crazy how something like that you're so used to having your taste or smell and it goes away and and you realize the role that it, it plays in your day-to-day life in a way that you don't normally think about a process. And yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird experience, but yes, very thankful for the for the fact that um, we're at least on the road to, to recovery in that regard. I want to keep going though. You, there's something else that you mentioned actually on that list of kind of personal things, Uh, on your website, you said, I love making my little one laugh. And that's a really great segue to my next question, which has to do with time, because you're juggling family and business life. Is there a principle that's enabled you to be able to manage your time a little bit more effectively?
1: Well, you know, this, it's something I'm working on, because, um, you know, I I find myself working around the clock, because I'm trying to really make Amiibo thrive. Um, But it's, I'm fortunate to have my two-year-old son because he, he forces me to create these boundaries yes. and for me to be present and engaged with him. Um, so when I'm with him, it's, I mean, very minimal, me, phone, scrolling, not on the computer at all mm. because I want him to have my undivided attention mm-hmm. because I know that basically every moment that I'm not with him, I'm working on Amiibo. I'm doing something for the business. So, um, I safeguard that time that I'm with him to just fully be there and be present. Um, and I'm fortunate that now, um, just the last couple of months, you know, daycares have opened up, you know, I'm in the Maryland area, so he's able to go, uh, to daycare that affords me the opportunity to, to work. And he was going part-time, but, you know, just this past week, um, you know, he's going to go a bit more often. I also like reserve Sundays for a day of rest um, nice. and just block that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes I find myself, you know, photo calling or something like that. But I try as much as possible to just reserve Sundays. And, um, you know, for personal care, that's again something I'm working on, um, but we can't neglect ourselves, and that's easy for me to do. So weekday mornings, you know, at least a few weekday mornings, I try to ser- reserve for working out. Yeah, and um, you know, I start and end my day uh, in prayer, which you know helps keep me grateful and yes. centered.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that presence of mind, even for for anyone who may not be religious, that that effort at sitting down and and just kind of being number one. Being present and and certainly maintaining a mentality, a mode of thankfulness uh, that really it really does make such a huge difference. I, I still find myself and I, I want to do all I can to maintain this, but I think a lot of it was the way that I was brought up I was I was taught to to say thank you. Um, just religiously. And and that translated to, I think, even as I became an adult and, and now I'm you know 41, I still think, I, I'm still saying thank you constantly, either, either out loud or internally being appreciative of things. And it really makes a big, big difference in the moment. And somebody, I think maybe it was even here on the podcast, just was recently saying, um, I think it was Sean, actually, my friend Sean Austin was was on the podcast recently, and he was talking about the idea of instead of saying, I have to do this thing, you say, I get to do this thing. And there's this mm-hmm. shift with that one word that, sh- that, that that makes a big difference in your mentality and your psychology, which then kind of shifts your emotional state uh, and just enables a better life as a result.
1: I, I agree with you wholeheartedly because it's, you know, I, I would... Uh, tell my students this it's it's easy for us to complain or you know I could have a list of of 10 things I'm sure we all could of 10 things right now that maybe aren't going the way we expected them to or yeah. you know that may make us a little anxious or it's you know a thorn in our side but I think it's a better practice to acknowledge and appreciate all the wonderful things that we take for granted mm. you know the fact that I am able to speak with you I have this technology I have this laptop I mean if 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 you need to get just as detailed as possible, but just, you know, start with that attitude of, of gratefulness, you know, health, physical health, um, who you have in your world, your life. I just think it's important. I, so I agree with you.
0: I it's, it's so good. Again, that's another topic I could spend some time on because I even think about the way that my, my girlfriend and I interact with each other. And we've been in a relationship now for what is it? It's over seven years. Um, coming up on eight years. And, uh, we still just like we started like you know as if we had just started dating the other day we still thank each other for things um in an almost childlike way but i, I think it just <laughs> maintains the the right uh mentality and the it certainly in, in this case in the context of the relationship it really makes a big difference to maintain a level of appreciation for the other person in that context, or you know whatever the situation it is that we're in. It When, when I did get COVID, and I, it fortunately didn't affect me too significantly as far as symptoms outside of taste and smell, but then it, while I was able to be thankful for that, um, then simultaneously, I was also able to kind of appreciate um, the experiences that I had had with taste and smell, these senses right. in the past, uh, and then certainly, of course, hope that it would come back, and, and it's slowly doing so. But um, maintaining that yeah, it's, it's super important. So I appreciate that reminder. That's, that's really, really good. Uh, talk to me about outsourcing or delegation. When we talk about time management, this is a really important topic. Is this something you've experimented with yet?
1: Well, you know, I'm a true solopreneur at this time, so so I'm not outsourcing or delegating um, quite yet, okay. but I do have some things in mind in terms of, you know, perhaps, you know, photo el- uh, editing um, and hello, Nathan, I know. I you happen to know have- this great company. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but on photo shoots, I do have a former student who's been fantastic in assisting me with uh, some photo shoots and that's going great.
0: Oh, that that really is nice. Even just to to help with lighting or to carry a bag. Right. That type of thing.
1: Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think uh it also provides, you know, for, for some clients, not all, um, but for some clients it it makes you seem even more official. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, this is this is serious business here. We got, yeah. you know, someone helping with the lights here, you know.
0: It does. It, it gives a little bit of an official stamp to, <laughs> to <Right>. the business. <laughs> <laughs> it also just feels good to have somebody there to help you out. Well, that's cool. That's yeah. great. Um, <laughs> we we mentioned books earlier. Talk to me about a super impactful business or a self-help book um, that you've read or listened to in the last few years. What, what comes to mind?
1: So over the summer, I read The Compound Effect. And oh. I really enjoyed that by uh, Darren Hardy. And okay. I really enjoyed that because... It was the reminder of consistency. Ooh. That was my biggest takeaway from okay. that book. Okay. You know, it's just that reminder of being consistent. And even if it is something small and little. Um, so, for instance, you know, with sugar, uh, how about instead of two bags of gummy beers a week? That's not what I do. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, instead of that, let's get it down to one bag, you know, just those small little yeah. changes to be consistent with that and just yep. try that for, you know, five weeks. Okay. You did that for five weeks. Now let's try another five weeks. 100%. I found it quite impactful.
0: That's really good. Okay, just, And
1: applicable to many areas in your life.
0: Uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, even the subtitle, I pulled it up here on Amazon. It says, jumpstart your income, your life, your success. Uh, and it's so funny. I mean, we've... I, We've really been able to relate on, on many things today. The, something that, that really just hit home hardcore in 2020 for me was the significance of consistency on multiple levels in my life. And you're right. it's It's the little things many times that if we are just willing to show up and do consistently that can really carry us over the long run. That's super important. So we're going to link to this book in the show notes at com. And for anybody listening in, uh, make sure that you do take advantage of the show notes. We're going to have the talking points from today's conversation, the resources that are mentioned, links to those um, at com. In addition, com, just like it sounds, uh, if you go there, Haley, who produces our show, has put together... A collection of the most popular books mentioned here on the podcast. So, if you're looking for other re- meeting, excuse me, reading material as well, um, you can do there do that there at bocabookshelf.com. All right. All right. Well, let's let's get to kind of the the main conversation at hand. Uh, one of the things that was super compelling about today's conversation, uh, and we we chatted about this briefly before we got started. But you you actually prior to being a full time photographer were a professor and I don't even know a lot of details about this. Can you talk a little bit about the background in that profession and how you then transitioned to photography?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. So a little backstory, uh, my background's in film and television industry. So I used to work and intern at all sorts of various jobs. Okay. Um, and then, you know, that segued into me teaching film and television production uh, courses at a local university or in DC. And, um, and that was that was going great. I thought that this is this is a great outlet for me. Um, I really like the mentoring aspect uh, with students and getting to teach something I'm so passionate about. You know, which mm. is that storytelling and image and mm-hmm. how they intersect. Um, and at the same time, I had my summers and I had winter breaks to exhibit my photography and video art, which I was doing a lot of. Wow. And then. Well, 2020 came around and, you know, things changed like many others. I'm going through major life transitions right now. Unfortunately, at the beginning of 2020, you know, my marriage came to an end. Mm. Uh, Then in May, my position as a professor came to an end Mm. and I found myself a newly single mother working hard to support my toddler. And to use that overused word of 2020, I had to pivot. Yeah. So I turned one of my dreams and passion projects into my business venture. And it was sooner than expected. um, But I launched Amivo in September. And as scary as it is, Nathan, it is also thrilling, invigorating, and empowering. I mean, it is a grind every single day, but it is, it's worth it. And so the role of business owner is one I'm growing into and um, I'm learning a lot from.
0: Okay. But how, first of all, congratulations. And, and that might seem kind of trite, but really, truly, I'm excited for you. And, and the, one of the reasons that I'm so excited for you is because you did what a lot of people might talk about. You, you've actually done it, right? So, the, yeah, a lot happens in 2020 that is just to put it very simply, overwhelming on multiple levels. And despite that, then you're like, you know what? It is what it is. I'm going for it. And you just, you took that leap. And, and here you are. I, I just think that's super exciting. And, and I would assume that you'd probably be the first person to say you didn't take that leap, knowing and understanding every single thing that you needed to do. You just knew you had to take the leap. Is that, am I, am I assuming correctly?
1: Oh, that's a, that is a very fair and accurate assumption. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it, it's one of those things when your back is against the wall. Yeah. And uh, I, I simply had to, I had to do I had to be on go mode. I had mm-hmm. no choice, mm-hmm. and that that served to my benefit because i am um, I am over analytical i 'm a creative perfectionist, and so if I had the luxury of time, ah, who knows how long it would have taken me
0: yeah that it, sometimes we just need the the little push
1: <laughs> right
0: and and again, to your credit, you actually then responded and made the thing happen. You did as you put it, and I think that's that 's such an important word as well we have to do, and then we have to do consistently, and, and here you are. So again, kudos to you, congratulations to you. Uh, Thank you. And I wanna get into the things that you have learned thus far. And let's start actually with things that photographers, new photographers in, in particular, shouldn't do. What are the, the big ideas that you would want to say to, to new photographers, please, please make sure <laughs> that when you're starting that business, you don't do these things?
1: Okay, so I have five. And we're going to start with what I was just talking about, you know, so for all my over analytical perfectionist creatives, stop, just stop. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking as a recovering over analytical perfectionist myself. Yes. I would say just put it out there and you will fine tune along the way. And also when you put it out there, you will actually see what needs um, maybe your clients or who you're serving, what they actually need so you can uh, adjust as you go along. Number two, when writing website copy, cut the fat. Mm, (laughs) People aren't invested in the verbose flowery language we may want to use on our website. They want to know how this relates to them. Can this benefit them? Can this motivate or encourage them? And can this solve a problem for them?
0: I love that. I'm, I'm I'm frantically taking notes. Actually, as you're talking, I'm <laughs> I, I don't normally use a pen and paper, but I definitely do during the podcast. So I'm frantically taking notes. But that is so good because you're right. There is so much, there is so much that we as photographers care about for ourselves, whether we'll you know consciously admit that or not. Um, and and for the sake of our fellow photographers who we think might come to our site, but the reality is that that potential client, in many if not most cases, doesn't actually care about all those details you just shared about your career. They just want some great images and a great experience. Right. And I think we need to focus more on that.
1: Right. Nor do they care about uh, the type of high resolution image. Is it going to be a TIFF file? Is it going to be, they don't care. No. You know, so it's like, yep. you just got to cut some of the fat and the, yeah. That's good. Uh, number three, when you start you may feel the need to take on gigs that don't suit your brand or your strength or your niche. But I would warn against, you know, being a generic practitioner. Mm. And that's easier said than done. It really is uh, because, you know, you're trying to survive and make money. But for example, if your niche is uh, proposal sessions, let's say, um, and you keep on accepting newborn gigs, people are going to associate you as a newborn photographer. Hmm. So you want to just try to avoid boxing yourself in yep. to things that really aren't your niche or your strength or what you want your brand to be yeah
0: that's so true and, and I, the other part of that too, and I've mentioned this on podcast before is if you do kind of present yourself as a generic photographer i the, the thing that used to happen to me i'd go to these networking meetings when, when I was shooting actively and there would be other photographers in the room, and they would get up and introduce themselves, and they'd say, "I'm so and so, and I specialize in," and they'd list like four or five different types of <laughs> photography. I'm like, well, they just they lost you already because right. you don't actually spe- specialize in four or five different types of photography. You are just a quote photographer now, and the the mind of the potential, you know, business associate, somebody that you can partner with in, in business in some form or fashion. So, it's, yeah, specialization really makes a big difference. I'm curious though on that, was there. I, I'm sure there's some apprehension about, okay, I need to now get as much business as possible. Is there, if you found a balance between specialization and then also going ahead and taking a couple jobs here and there, or have you just been super strict about it?
1: I, I'm also working on this myself. So, you know, I'm not speaking as I'm the super authority, you know, some of these sure. things I still have to work on. Sure. I am very verbose when it comes to website copy, for instance, you know, but I'm really cutting the fat. And in terms of, taking on gigs that aren't, uh, my niche I have, but I've, I've been pretty good about like, Hey, this is what I do best. So if you want my best, this is what I can do for you. Sure, yeah. So, you know, I know that, you know, newborn photography, it, that's not my wheelhouse necessarily. I can do it, but you know, if you really want to see something that's going to complement who you are, then let's stick with, you know, my niche here. But that, that is something that I'm, I'm also uh, working on myself because, again, with launching, you're trying to get as many clients as possible uh, within reason so that they can also spread the word for you. Hmm. So it's a tricky balance. It is a tricky balance. But on your website or on your social media sites, I would avoid advertising for these other uh, genres, subgenres of photography at the very least.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's kind of a nice balance and you're right too, that you can actually present specializing in a particular genre and still offer the service too. this is something I think that's come up in the podcast before, but um, for example, those who might specialize in, in wedding photography, naturally their clients might come to them about engagement photography. If that's not already being offered as part of the package, um, they may let her come to them for family photography or baby photography. And that's something that you could still do to make some income and yet not put it out there as your specialty. And so now your brand is maintained while you're still able to generate a bit of additional income here and there.
1: Right, exactly. And so you would not put the engagement photos or the family photo sessions on your website if you want, you know, your real house is wedding photography. But you know that, you know, that one off that, you know, hey, all right, I'll make the, the exception.
0: Sure, sure. Okay, so at, I've, I've been, like I said, taking notes here. So the first thing was to stop trying to be perfect, uh, which I think is a great reminder for everybody, including myself, by the way, again, I, you and I, I think are very much on the same page here. Do keep an open mind and adjust as you go, but you just got to do it at some point. So that's, that's a great reminder. Simplify the copy on your site, or just if we we're, to, if we're going to stick with the don'ts, don't talk too much. Um, <laughs> that's good. And then don't be a generic practitioner. What's number four?
1: Number four, uh, it's easy to get caught up in buying all the templates, the systems, the software, the mm. contracts, mm-hmm. the tools, the equipment, 10 computers for future employees that you don't even have in mind. <laughs> yeah. But don't. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads to number five, avoid business debt. Because you want to be profitable. And so what prevents you from being profitable is if you're already starting, you know, with this negative debt. Yeah. Uh, behind you. So Mm -hmm. avoiding business debt. And there is a way to do that. And you can start um, low budget. A photography business, you can. If you own a camera, um, sometimes even if you don't,
0: uh, no, I, I think that's a great reminder. Uh, and in fact, uh, as I do start my own photography business back up, one of the things I'm doing very intentionally is to keep it super, super, super cheap. Uh, I, I mixed cheap and simple there, but both simple <laughs> and cheap. Um, and and doing that intentionally because I want to to prove the very concept that you're talking about, Shanae. And I think it's a really great reminder for all of us. We don't have to have the fanciest thing or all the things we just need to a, a decent camera body a couple of lenses and a and a backup body of some kind and and you know a couple of flashes like i mean that's it's really and these flashes i i just bought a couple of godox flashes for this for this Ditto. Business. Yeah. And you're talking what like 125 bucks a piece it's super inexpensive. Right. Uh which is brilliant. Uh and there's just no need to to go over the top with it. Indeed. That's really, really good. Okay. So we have a lot to talk about. So let's keep going. <laughs> what do you feel then kind of moving in a more proactive uh, direction? What do you feel are the major steps then to launching a photo business?
1: All right. I have a, a lot of these, but I'm just going to keep it to five. Okay. So number one is you want to create a one pager about your business. Mm. And this is to help you be extremely clear about what your business is, yes. you know, what your niche is, your differentiator uh, Another thing is who you serve, that ideal client. Who are you trying to get in the door? Another thing is why you care to serve them. And this relates to what your mission is. And another thing, how you do it. How are you going about this? Also helpful is having a log line and an elevator pitch. Hmm. Because people will ask you, hey, what do you do? And you want to be able to know off the top of your head and spit it out. This is what I do. This is who I serve.
0: Yeah. And and do it, as you pointed out, and with relatively few words, because people right. lost interest <laughs> 10 seconds ago, you know, and, and, right. and it's very easy to go on. I, I think part of that, though, that happens and tell me what you think, Shanae. I I think a lot of times photographers or maybe any other business owners, they start rambling on, because they haven't actually taken the time to do the very thing that you just talked about, which is sit down and write this out and be clear about what it is that they're doing, why they're doing it, who they're reaching out to, because they haven't, then they're essentially thinking out loud when the person asks them what they do.
1: Right. And you don't want to be muffled and jumbled and, you know, you want to specify and you want to hone in your service as much as possible. You really want to be uh, the expert in your niche,
0: yeah, that's really good. Okay, so start with creating that one pager about your business. That's a that's brilliant. What's
1: next? Number two, know thy numbers. Mm. So you want to create a budget, even if you're feeling like uh, I don't know what I'm budgeting for. Um, we can talk about later. But you know, um, there's you want to create a budget for yourself. Yeah. Number two, the other uh, bullet point with know thy numbers is your finances. How much do you have? How are you going to be organizing your money? The bank accounts that you may have opened. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your process for tracking your operating expenses that relates to your budget. Your process for paying bills. And so, and another thing to add to knowing thy numbers is before launching, I would highly suggest, especially if you are taking uh, the risk of going full time, I shouldn't say risk, but if you are being a spearheader and going time, (laughs) how about that?
0: There you go. Frame it, frame
1: it in a (laughs) really positive way. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You want to have six months of income, of emergency income for your business only to keep you afloat. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, we were all kind of hit with that, that realization um, in a hard way this last year too. Right. It's it, it it's easy in the moment when things are going okay that you're not you don't have the pressure to put that money away. But then you you hit those hard times and now you're stuck and now you're and then you're distracted from trying to continue to maintain the business or even potentially build the business during those times because you're you're so stressed out about your finances. So right, yeah, that's a big thing. I'm curious actually because this I know that we could do a whole podcast on this, but just very briefly, if you don't mind, what. What platform or platform software are you using to manage your finances in the way that you were just describing here? Because I know this this was an overwhelming thing for me when I was younger and shooting. um, And I know it's an overwhelming idea for new business owners as well. What, What do you do?
1: So I actually, again, my nerdy self, I created my own Excel sheet, okay. <laughs> and I have many uh, sub sheets within um, a workbook. Okay. And in addition to that, I signed up for you know the free trial for uh, QuickBooks, yep. but I found myself using my own Excel sheet a little bit more. Okay. Um, than QuickBooks, so that's that's how I manage it.
0: Is it just because it felt comfortable or familiar, or why do you think?
1: You know, because with QuickBooks. Uh, you have to set it up so that every expense that's going out, it's just the coding that you have to do and the tagging and the categorizing. And so I was like up and running already. And so I already developed this, this system that was a little bit faster for me to input through Excel than to take out, you know, an extra 10 minutes, uh, via QuickBooks, but QuickBooks is, is helpful But to be honest with you, I don't know if I would use QuickBooks in the future. I know that sounds so horrible. But we'll see. We'll see. Because what's working for me right now is the uh, Excel sheet.
0: No, I I get it. Sometimes you know there are more moving parts in a piece of software than necessary. And it is going to depend on the person in the business. But um, I I actually am likely going to be using FreshBooks myself. and, Uh, mm -hmm. And they're their UI and design, because I'm a bit of a nerd myself, um, is a bit more appealing. It's it's more minimalistic, simple, clean, and, and in some ways, maybe a bit more intuitive as well. Uh, they also had uh, mileage tracking built in. And I think the version of QuickBooks that I was using didn't. So that was another thing. Uh, anyway, there were ultimately reasons for me moving in that direction. I think that's the way that I'm going to go. I've never been a, a good in fact, I know very little about Excel spreadsheets and I know endless numbers of people use them and they're super powerful in the end because I've seen them at work, but I would be so clueless trying to put one together. So, so props to you for knowing these things. Cause I, I just, I'm, I just don't know.
1: <laughs> well, but you know what, once you have um, you know, I created something, you know, with the formulas and, and trust me, I, I'm, a, I'm a creative, you know, so numbers and math and all that sort of stuff, you know, you're starting to speak Greek to me. Yeah. However, <laughs> it is important. And so like, once you have these, these things already set up, then all it is, is kind of just plugging in numbers. That's it. Okay. That's it. Okay. So it just makes it pretty seamless, but I need to look, um, I need to check out fresh books. Because the way you described it, you know, a nice, simple interface, that's more my speed.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, I have to say when I first started using QuickBooks back in 2000, I don't know what it was, three, four, uh, and, and you had to actually, you know, install it with disks on your computer. And, <laughs> yeah. and then if you wanted to get information to your accountant, you also had to export that information to, you know, burn it to a CD or something like that, and take it to the <laughs> Um, they've come so far since then, and they're certainly way more user-friendly now. So I would suggest it to people, but yeah, FreshBooks is, it it just kind of simplifies things and, and in a way it kind of minimizes the number of moving parts for the sake of ease of use. So I, I definitely recommend it, but, um, okay. So we've got, first of all, creating that one page about your business, be clear about your, your brand, your mission, your target market, know your numbers. What's number three?
1: Register your business with Google. Ah, okay. Yeah, they will send you, they will mail you through the mail the um, a pin. And so you will enter that pin. But okay. this is going to uh, allow you to show up, you know, with SEO even more so. The reviews will show up right in the right hand side, you know, when someone's Googling your business. Yeah, that's that's a good one.
0: You know, I, I was surprised at the significance of this. Um, we hadn't really spent a lot of time talking about this, but, but Haley, who produces our show, actually came on the show a little while back, uh, not very long ago, actually, and, and talked about this very thing. So we're going to actually link to that episode in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com for everybody who's listening in. It is funny that they actually send it to you in the mail, though. What's, what's right. that about?
1: I know. I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. What's number four?
1: Number four is you want to open a business bank account. You want to keep your money separated Mm. for your business. And some of your uh, bank institutions, they will require a minimum, but that's okay. So uh, I would say do it. And once you start to really grow, you might think about opening up additional accounts, like a tax account. Um, account just for your operations mm-hmm. um an account it could be a savings account just for your profits, and then obviously you will have your personal account for whenever you do decide to take an income
0: yeah because it's easy too if you only have let's just say you have one your personal checking account and then you have one business account and everything for expenses taxes et cetera everything goes into one account and it's easy to just look at that one lump sum and be like, oh I'm, I'm doing pretty good.
1: Exactly. And kind of
0: forget about the fact that, you know, 20% of this needs to go here and then another 15 needs to go there and 30 needs to go here. And yeah, that, so that's good. Yeah. Keep, keeping
1: Exactly. So it's just a way to automate in a sense, you know, and to take the thinking out of it. Mm. I mean, as a business owner, you will have so many departments and areas that you are trying to, um, handle and stay on top of. Yeah. So, like, let's not add the burden of like, wait a minute, did I take the 20% out of that session and did it? Yep. I say just eliminate that. So, mm-hmm. having a tax account, an operations account, a profit account, that makes it a little bit more simple.
0: Okay. And then, number five, what's that last one?
1: You want to develop your back end before you launch. And by back end, I mean, Picking your platforms, you know, so your website, your CRM, your project management apps, setting up your social media, and also creating your workflows. You want to have all of that developed. So, all the back end things that none of your clients will know about nor care about, you want to have that set up before you launch. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when you launch and you have clients coming in the door, let's say, um you 're having a great month, and you are being flooded with lots of inquiries that 's a great thing for you you don 't want to be overwhelmed by it. so when you have these things all set up for yourself, then you 're ready to go
0: that's that that is huge and actually is it 's a segue to my next question and I guess first of all, the point about the significance of systems you 're so right it I remember back when I got started as a photographer, I just kind of i just got started. And I've really had no perspective and certainly minimal understanding, if any at all, about the significance of systems and putting those systems in place and how down the road it makes things so much easier. When you hear about photographers that are spending hours and hours and hours and hours working on their photography business every week, it's a pretty obvious indication, I would say probably 95% of the time, that they don't have great systems in place. The, The average professional photographer, once they get their systems in place and their business running... Um, should be able to get done what they need to within 20 or 30 hours a week, easy in some cases. And, uh, but if you don't have the systems in place, it complicates things, more moving parts, more to keep up with, more to think about. And now you're spending you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, 100% more time on your business than you need to because those aren't in place. Uh, one of those things that you actually mentioned, Sinead, is a CRM. I'm curious what your experience has been looking for CRM, maybe experimenting with a couple of them and what you ended up landing on.
1: Yes. So uh, with CRMs, this is going to take that headache that's going to take the headache away hmm. because you don't want to be stressed out, and then you're, the joy of actually creating is gone for you. So that's why you do want to have you know a CRM, which stands for client relationship management. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I tried a couple at first, and then I landed on HoneyBook. I thought at first it was just for wedding photographers. But their platform is applicable to a broader range of photographers and, dare I say, other you know creative uh, service providers. So uh, with HoneyBook, what I found is that it was user friendly, it was intuitive, an organized interface. It also includes uh, you know when someone's paying you directly through uh, HoneyBook, you can just see your P and L, so that's profits and losses. Mm-hmm. Right there. So so lots of nice organized things, and I'm about organization systems clearly. Yeah, but it just makes it just so simple. They also have a lot of uh, ready-made templates that you can tweak for your own liking. They also have workflows and scheduling. So they have lots of tools and applications for you to implement all in one place one platform and taking that time in the beginning to set up your automations and your workflows and your emails, whatever your templates are, it's going to save you so much time and it's going to save the headache and you will just be rolling. When those clients come in, you're going to be rolling.
0: That's really good. We'll we'll link to HoneyBook in the show notes as well. Um, One of the things I've been impressed with when I've taken the time to look at HoneyBook in the past is what seemed to be very similar to what I was talking about with Fresh Books, kind of minimal number of moving parts, not super overwhelming, um, well designed, relatively user friendly. And, um, so we'll link to that in the show notes. If those of you listening in, if you don't have a CRM right now, you're not happy with the one that, that you're currently using, make sure to check that out. We've had Natalie Frank, who is one of the founders of, of, um, the Rising Tide Society has been involved with HoneyBook who acquired the Rising Tide Society has been on the show uh, in the past. So shout out to to Natalie as well, but we'll link to HoneyBook in the show, in the show notes. Um, we're going to talk about marketing on a budget next, but before we do that, maybe we could start with. Just general concepts that will enable photographers to save a bit of money as they're starting out what what are the most important in your mind
1: yeah sure okay so i I have five of these <laughs> okay. First, you want to utilize the plethora of free sources that are out there. So Mm. that's podcasts like the Boca podcast, that's uh, YouTube, uh, that's a number of articles and also the library, guys, the library is not dead. So that's for, (laughs) you know, that's for reading these classic books that are often mentioned on, you know, the Boca podcast and, you know, so utilize that. Uh, The second would be utilize free trials because like, for instance, with the CRM, Luckily, I did a free trial of you know, one of the competitors first and it was just so complicated and wonky and I just mm-hmm. did not enjoy. Thank goodness I did not you know, invest that money mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. So utilize the free trials. Number three, uh, if you need a studio space, find a co-share space you know, to keep your costs a bit low. For instance, I use a studio space, but what I did is On Craigslist, believe it or not, uh, I share a space with a yoga studio and it's, yeah. And it works perfectly, you know, so I have the high ceilings, there's enough ventilation, uh, windows, you know, so it works really, really well. And that keeps costs very, very low.
0: Oh, that's great. And maybe Uh, get get an extra mm -hmm. yoga session in here and there too.
1: Right. (laughs) Number four, we were talking about equipment and everything earlier, You can rent your equipment, Hmm. rent your equipment or purchase used equipment, purchase used lenses. I used to do this all the time. I mean, I still do that. I still rent equipment. And so that's another way of keeping costs low because uh, a lot of these mirrorless cameras and the mirrorless lenses cost some serious coins. Yes. Let's not invest that money up front before you really have it. Rent it. See if you actually like working with it and build up your profit and once you have the funds to pay cash for it then you can invest in it.
0: Do you have a rental company that that you've used that you'd recommend?
1: So, I've used uh I think it was Lens to Go. Yes. They did fail me one time in terms of not getting uh the equipment to me on time before a shoot, okay. but overall um they're pretty good. I've used a few others and I, I can't remember the the names off the top of my head. Um but they're pretty comparable to each other. But but the lens to go is uh it's decent.
0: And do you do you recommend any particular company for buying used equipment?
1: For buying used equipment, there was a local shop that I used to uh, purchase from. But in terms of mainstream, nationally, B and H Photo does have a used section. Okay. And also, Adorama has a used section. Interesting. So, Yes, exactly. I, I don't
0: think I realized that. That's that's yes. pretty cool.
1: Yes. So check those out.
0: I used to, to buy, we actually bought quite a bit of used equipment and, and then sold to them, I guess, as well uh, from a company called KEH. Uh, they were based in Atlanta. I think still are based in Atlanta, KEH.com. And I was super impressed with the the rating system that they implemented for the equipment. Um, it was very specific. And probably 90% of the time or even more, what I what I got from the company when I ordered it, the equipment looked be- even better in some cases than than what they were actually saying it was. So it was just, it was very, very reliable. So I'll, I'll throw that into the mix too. And we'll put all of these in the show notes at com for everybody listening in. All right, so saving money, utilize free resources, utilize um, the, or excuse me, find a co-share space and rent equipment, purchase use equipment. Uh, there was a fifth...
1: Yeah. So the fifth one is here's some things to avoid. So I want you to avoid the following paying for expensive legal contract templates, Mm. not necessary. Now I'm not a lawyer, so don't sue me, (laughs) but, (laughs) but there are, so for instance, they are, they have CRMs that have legally binding contracts that you can tweak to your liking. Now, of course you may want to have a lawyer, look at it to make sure that it's legally binding, but, you know, they, they pretty much are, uh, I shouldn't say pretty much, they are. So, um, (laughs)
0: we want to be careful with this. Yeah, (laughs) exactly,
1: exactly, exactly. But to be safe, always have a lawyer check it out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, avoid paying for the expensive legal contract templates. Another thing to avoid is paying for any expensive templates. It's Mm. not necessary. There's, there's so many resources out there also paying too much for ads when you're starting out, you want to test the water. So for instance, uh, maybe social, let's say Instagram is more where your ideal client lives than Facebook. Mm-hmm. Well, that means you don't want to spend an arm and a leg on Facebook ads when really you should be looking at Instagram ads. Mm-hmm. And another thing is just paying too much for educational courses or programs at first. Now the keywords is too much at first because... Um, I think education is important, but you want to avoid, you know, getting in the trap of paying for so many things up front that, um, that you just don't have the budget for.
0: Well, and that, by the way, you can either Google or search on YouTube and and get for free too. There's there's so much information out there to take advantage of. You gave us, you gave us bonus stuff here. I mean, we got so many different, this is good. (laughs) I, I I, um, said, utilize free resources. And I actually wrote that down twice earlier. It was free resources, free trials was the second thing. Uh, Find a co-share space, rent equipment or purchase use equipment, find inexpensive templates, avoid paying too much for ads. And and to your point, Shanann, I'm I'm glad you bring it up. Definitely test those out, spend a little bit, see what converts, what doesn't make adjustments uh, to your earlier point. Um, And then avoid paying too much for educational resources. Okay, man, I I just, this is, I'm so impressed because there's just so much practical information here for a new photographer. I I really, really, truly appreciate this. Let's talk specifically about budget as it relates to marketing. Um, What are a few ways that photographers can make sure they maintain a tight budget when they're trying to market or promote their new business?
1: When you're first starting out, let's keep this simple. Call on your village. Call on your village. So, you know, even if it's Bob that you haven't talked to in a year or two, you never know. So, you know, let everyone know what you're doing, what you're up to and ask them to spread the word. And so, you know, a second part to that or number two is give people an incentive to spread the word Mm. about your business Mm. and to follow you on social media. So that could be through freebies. That could be through giveaways that could be through um, some sort of a client referral uh, incentive program so there you know think of those creative ways where people will have an incentive to spread the word for you okay and lastly, I would say good old-fashioned yard signs, flyers and business cards those haven't gone away no. No, not fully. Not yet, Nathan. They're still around.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yard signs. I don't know that I've heard any photographer mention yard signs on the podcast. Have you?
1: Yard signs. I did yard signs for a holiday mini session. No way. That's cool. uh, Yeah. Number one, it was a fun practice putting them up all around uh, Maryland. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, two, people are looking at that. they're driving, they see the little yard signs, and you know so it it works now, did it convert you know a great amount of of inquiries and leads for me? yeah not quite, <laughs> but <laughs> but it was it fun got, doing it. <laughs> it was fun doing it, and it it did actually get the word out okay. so I did notice a bump in terms of um website, um, who was, uh, going on the website around that time.
0: Okay. So a bit of brand awareness, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. Okay.
1: Brand awareness. Uh-huh. Yep. And so also with business cards, yeah. you know, so for instance, if you're going to the doctor's office, you know, we we have the tricky situation right now with with COVID restrictions and social distancing. But let's say you're going to the doctor's office or to a restaurant that you frequent, you can always ask the manager, um, hey, do you mind if, you know, I leave a couple of business cards next to the uh, cash register? You never know. You never know if someone's going to say, yeah, that's fine.
0: Hmm. Why not ask? doesn't hurt anything, right? Why not? Yeah. You mentioned <laughs> that the first thing in that that list of three there, the significance of, of community. And I want to end with this question. Let's talk a little bit about the way that community has played a role in, in the development of your business so far. What has that meant to you and what has it ultimately done for your business?
1: Community is, is is really huge because, and, and I'm learning that more, um, You know, one of the the big things I would say about it is staying connected. You know, we're not in this world alone. And sometimes as introverts or creatives, we can isolate or want to stay in our creative bubbles. But it's important to be connected and be engaged in whatever communities best speak our language. Hmm. And, you know, so I'm part of this Mocha Mom group and they knew my recent backstory And they connected with my story. Mm. And so for that, they wanted to sort port me as an individual. But what that did is that also helped spread the word because they were very pleased with their product and excited about their images. You know, so while they were helping me, they actually became excited about their own images. And Mm. so that was that was great. You know, it was like a win win, basically. Um, Also, photography groups that were not each other's competition. You know, but we can be each other's network. So photography groups are helpful because they provide that support, uh, resources, knowledge. You know, so for instance, you're like, uh, I want to use a 35 millimeter lens, but how do I use it? You know, another photographer, I'm sure will know, you know, some of these questions that you may have. Uh, also, photography groups are great for encouragement and accountability. That yeah. is key. accountability. You yeah. know, if you follow through. So um, I've also found podcasts to be a community and especially this podcast, um, Nathan, you know, the Boca podcast has been something that I've been listening to and I've learned so much from it. You know, it's like valuable takeaways. So, you know, while it's um, not interactive necessarily, that's still creating a community.
0: I'm so glad. And, and I have to reiterate again, I, you don't know how much um, I appreciate the fact that you are providing so much practical information. You know, I, I know that some shows um, are more conversational and, and kind of geared toward entertainment, and that's great. Um, I, I need that sometimes too. But mm-hmm. there's when, when we have limited time to allocate toward our education, if we're going to spend it, I, I would hope that we're able to spend it on resources that don't give us a bunch of fluff and leave us you know, wishing that there was something more. Um, a lot of business books, unfortunately, that that's kind of the thing. It's like 85% fluff and then the 15% the, the stuff that you can actually go do something with. And we've really made right. an, an intentional effort here at the show to make sure, even if you only listen the first five minutes, you're still listening to, to responses from our guests that ultimately lead to information that is actionable. We talk about brand position or something that you can do to, to make your client experience better. Um, but I have to say that you are just this brilliant, brilliant example uh, of somebody who is sharing practical, actionable information and, and just the best way. So thank you for that. And for those of you listening, especially those that are new to the business, don't just listen to this and say that's nice, but listen to, to what Sinead is saying and go do something with it because that's where the value ultimately lies.
1: Oh I, I appreciate that Nathan and and like you were you're saying to to your point uh you can get caught up in that with with some of these educational courses where yeah. it's more filler than practical takeaways. Yes. And guides and step twos. Yeah.
0: And and it's not about I also say this to Sinead, because you know some of these things that we're talking about here in fact many if not most of these things that we're talking about here it's not that they're earth-shattering concepts that no one has ever heard about before. Right. It's that if you do them you will have results. Just simple as that. Um, And unfortunately, it's easy for us to overlook the simple things as we were talking about earlier and do them consistently, which will lead to results for the sake of, you know, where's this really cool, big idea that I've never heard about before and it gets me really excited and my favorite photographer does it and so I should go try it too, rather than just focusing on being consistent with a few small things. Right. Um, it's the basic things that we do consistently that ultimately, at least based on especially this last year, we were talking about consistency that I've realized. And certainly if we look around at successful business owners, um, I think that they have proven that that the small things consistently is what, what ultimately makes the big difference. So uh, I just I wanted to emphasize that, but you just this has been brilliant. So you talked about the, the the various networking groups, podcasts, anything else that you would throw out there as far as community and how it relates to to your business?
1: Yeah, the last thing I would add is, uh, you know, something that I've really learned is, you know, just the great importance of giving back and serving my community as well. Hmm. And this can be done in so many ways, you know, offering a free session, donating some prints, teaching a workshop, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but there's importance in, in giving back, too.
0: There is, and it just it feels good. I mean, I know that's kind of selfish, too, but it just feels good to actually do something for someone else and right. not just make it about ourselves.
1: Right. <laughs> well, this
0: this has been... I, I've just really enjoyed this, Shanae, and and I can't thank you enough for making time for all of us. And will you just kind of remind everybody where they can find you and follow you online?
1: Absolutely. And uh, first, I would... Really, really like to thank you again, Nathan, for giving me an opportunity and this platform to to talk about these things. You know, I think it's really, really cool, and I'm humbled and grateful that that you're having me on today. It is, so, it
0: is truly our privilege, and and I don't I don't just say those words. Really, I I truly appreciate it as well, and and um, I, I will send I will project the appreciation of our audience in your direction as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, on, uh, here's where you can find me on Facebook, Instagram. You can find me at Amivo. That's I V O. That's it. Website, same thing, I M I I V O.com. And uh, in addition to my portrait photography service, uh, I am going to be expanding and helping creative solopreneurs get organized before launching their first business. So um, yeah, you can go to my website and sign up because I'm going to be offering a launch a business kit and a launch a business bootcamp soon. Um, So you can sign up so you can stay informed about it.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm here on the site now and it it is just that launch a business, launch a business kit and launch a (laughs) business bootcamp coming soon. Cool. And you can sign up there. Um, so we'll link to all this in the show notes, podcast.com For everybody listening in, again, take advantage of the resource, which are the show notes from these episodes, uh, the, the talking points, the resources Hasn't been mentioned. And um, Sinead, just once again, thanks for, for making time to hang out with all of us.
1: Thank you so much, Nathan.
0: Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.